The following audio is from Christ Presbyterian Church in Nashville, Tennessee, where our mission is to follow Christ and His mission of loving people, places, and things to life. For more information about Christ Presbyterian Church, please visit ChristPres.org. Our scripture reading today is from Exodus 20, 8 through 11. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work. You or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, or your livestock, or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. And now please turn over to Hebrews. 4, 9 through 11. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you so much, TK, for reading that passage for us this morning. Hello, everybody. If we haven't met, my name is Russ Ramsey, and I'm the pastor here at Christ Presbyterian Church's Cool Springs Location. It is good to have you all with us this morning. Here, I want to give you a quick update. Uh, as many of you know, last week uh, we were expecting to hear back from the city of Franklin on our uh, plans for the new space that we're building out. And as soon as they give us the thumbs up, we're going to start the work on that. Uh, they did respond to us with a list of things that they want changed or addressed. Um, and so we're hoping that that can happen this week, uh, but that's just that's part of the process that we're in there. Um, if you would like to contribute, we would really love for the Cool Springs congregation to be covering a lot of the costs for this build out. And we've put these postcards on your seats uh, for how you can do that. You just go to ChristPres.org slash give. You select the Cool Springs campus, and then under that, there's a drop-down menu that gives the option Cool Springs New Home Build-Out. Uh, this would be in addition to over and above tithes, regular tithes and offerings, but um, that's something that's happening. An example of where, those, where that giving might go um, is every chair costs about 50 bucks. And we're going to get 350 chairs. So that's a part of uh, the build-out process. So, you know, for you, you may think, well, um, I, I'd like to buy a number of chairs, you know, or 
uh, we're going to need a stage uh, platforms that we're, that we're getting or decorations for the place, all that. There's, there's lots of expenses uh, that are a part of that. Um, so any help that we get from within the congregation is great. We are part of a church that has resources, so we're not borrowing money from a bank in order to be able to make this move. Um, and yet at the same time, uh, it's just good form for us as a congregation to be covering as much of our own expenses as we can. And so... Um, so I'll be saying more about that and keeping that in front of us. Please be long-suffering with me uh, as I talk about that on a regular basis. But it's an important part of where we are um, in the life of this church. And I'll keep you posted as soon as we... I have a feeling as soon as the city of Franklin gives us a thumbs up to proceed, um, at least I'll be there that afternoon with a sledgehammer tearing down some walls. Um, that I'm not supposed to be. So maybe I, I'm just going to take that back. Pretend, pretend I did not say that. All right, so the Ten Commandments. We're in this command that we're focusing on today, the Sabbath rest. The elephant in the room is all of us are terrible at this one, right? And, and here's part of the reason why people struggle with this command is because I believe most people don't see the value in this. Don't see the importance in it. Um, God is calling us to something. And yet for a lot of us, we think, I don't, I don't really need that in order to still keep a rhythm. Um, I don't need that command. Even I can come to church and then I can go home and still work the second half of the day and everything's, everything's good. We have to remember that when the Lord gives us his commands, they're all relational. They're never just an arbitrary old man in the sky who likes things in a particular way. It's always him calling us to interact and regard him and live in relationship with him in a particular way. And so I'm going to unpack this for us this morning and what it means. For many of us, I'm probably not going to say anything you haven't heard before. And yet, we're bad at this one. We're bad at this one. And we are because, we, because there are things that we think we need to be about where the Lord is saying, you don't need to be about that. There's an old bumper sticker that I love. I mention it sometimes. It says this, Jesus is coming soon. Look busy. It just makes me laugh every time I see it. It's, it's no secret that we're busy people. We have side hustles on side hustles on side hustles, especially in a town like this. We like to see our calendars fill up, and then once they fill up, we put more things in them, right? And I know that many of us right now feel like the summer, the summer, which is supposed to be that stretch of the year where, where you have all kinds of time on your hand, we're wondering what happened to July? What happened to June? Because they're, they're done. They're over with. We're, we're in the second half of 2021 already. That happened fast. Today's passage is a passage that speaks to busyness. But there's a clarification that we have to make as we get into it. And that is that this text is not primarily warning us against being too busy. This passage is primarily about where our affections lie. What do we love? Because we pursue what we love. And this passage is really about what the heart pursues and why. So as we dig in, I want that to be a guiding thought for us. What does your heart pursue and why? And maybe a question to tag on to that is, do you even know how to begin to answer that question for yourself? Do you know what your heart pursues? 
And do you know why? Why does a command like this exist? To take a day of the week and rest. And to rest in a worshipful way. Well, let's remember the historical context for what was happening here. God gave this command to Israel. He gave Israel his name, and for 400 years, they had taken another name. They had taken the name slave. And they came by it honestly. In many ways, they were an enslaved people. And so what they had known for four centuries was nothing but a life of toil, a life of constant toil. They were people who were owned. They were owned by another kingdom, and they were kingdom builders. And they were building a kingdom as a monument to whoever was in charge of Egypt at the time. And this is a place where we can all kind of get on the train here, where we can all say, okay, this is where I can get into what's happening in this particular command, in this particular part of scripture, because here's an area where we all struggle, because we're all part slave to the process, but then we're also part Pharaoh driven to build kingdoms, driven to build kingdoms and legacies, and we're afraid of failing. And so we're kind of enslaved to a process, but we also are people who are creating that same process. And as with Israel, God is wanting to lead us out of the slavery of constantly trying to build a kingdom for ourselves so that we could feel secure. And instead what he's doing is he's calling us to rest in the name that he gives us, where our identity and our value and our future is already given so that we can rest in being his people. And we struggle, I struggle with this. I just being completely honest with you, I don't think it would surprise any of you to even hear that, but I struggle to rest because rest requires something. It requires trust, right? It requires trust that things are going to be okay. It's the sort of rest that God has in mind. It's not merely just a lack of activity. God isn't saying, I want you to be less active. But instead what he's doing is he's calling us to this profound soul level peace, really, is what it is. That there's a restlessness in us that's a lack of peace. And that's what God is wanting us to recognize and to respond in a worshipful way to him. And that restlessness can look like a couple of things. It can look like workaholism, right? Restlessness can look like somebody who just never stops. You're always working. You're always going. You're always building an empire. But laziness is another form of restlessness, too. And sometimes that's what it looks like for us. That, that, we're, that we, we consider our, you know, the, the, the old song, Working for the Weekend, which is a a horrible philosophy, it's a horrible way to live, right? That I'm going to trade five days of my life in miserable toil in exchange for two days when I can do whatever it is that I want. It takes work to be still. It just, it takes work, and there's some irony there, right? It takes work to be still. It takes more work to be still than it does to be busy. It can be more automatic and easier to just be busy. Jesus is coming back soon, look busy. I'm a person who can multitask like a champ. I was thinking about it this week, even as I was working on this message. Here's what I can do. Here's a skill set I have, ready? 
I can read emails, follow news stories, stay current on social media, study for a talk, and manage a to-do list while listening to music. And some of you are thinking, that's nothing. That's child's play, right? But do you know what's hard for me? Sitting still. It's, it's hard for me to sit in silence for 10 minutes. It's hard for me to read a chapter of a book with substance. It's hard for me to untangle a complex thought. It's hard for me to come up with a thoughtful response to the question, how was your day? Is that hard for you? Does that come natural? Jesus is after our hearts with this command. He's saying you're you're made in the image of God. You have this sacred identity as somebody who bears his image and is called by his name. And yet we can live in such a way that life just happens to us without us having any agency or intentionality in engaging with the life that we've been given. And so a month can pass and we can say, I don't know what just happened. I was busy the whole time. It seems like it just flew by. Sometimes we submerge ourselves in busyness and we lose touch with our hearts and we do this without realizing it, but sometimes we do it because we intend to. It's the plan all along. We bury ourselves in activity in order to protect ourselves from pain or from being reachable. Have you ever done this? Kind of fashioned this impenetrable life where your actions are unimpeachable. They all look noble and good, but your heart is just locked down tight and people cannot get to you. The command to rest is not just a command to rest, but it's a command to rest in God. And when we are trying to manage our lives and lock them down and make it so people can get this far and no further, it's because there's a restlessness and a lack of peace in us where rest can't happen because we're, we're, we're on guard. But Jesus calls us to rest. He calls us to rest. It's really a call to follow him. God calls us to rest in his satisfaction that when God created the world, he called it good. He could have done more. He could have kept going, but he didn't. He reached a point where in creation, it was as he wanted it to be. It was good and it was enough. And this is what's hard for us is to say it's enough. It's enough. But he calls us to rest in that, to rest in what he, was, what he has made, that it's good and that it's finished and that it's as it was meant to be. And so the call to Sabbath rest is to rest in the completeness of what God has done, knowing that he is sufficient for everything that we need. So why don't we rest? What stirs restlessness in us? Where are you most restless right now? When God gave his people the command to rest, he told them to hold this command as a call to remember who they were and who God has made them to be. He says, you were slaves, but God has delivered you from that, and now you're able to rest. We're able to. 
And so he gave them this name and told them to remember. Remember who you were meant to be. Remember who you became after the fall, that loss and the fear and the shame and the distance that's a part of that. Remember who you are now in Christ. Remember your future, which is nothing less than peace with your maker in his presence, lacking nothing forever. It's nothing less than that. And remember that God's commands are always relational. He's always calling us deeper into a relationship with him. He's not just being arbitrary. There's something about the way God made us to relate to him that warrants a command for him to tell us to stop working and to rest. Because that's a command to trust. Like I said, there's probably not a lot new in what I've said so far. And yet it's important for us to hear because really the call to rest, the command to rest, is about whether we trust God or not. That's ultimately what it's about. Luke 10 tells us a story about when Jesus paid a visit to his friends Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. They lived in Bethany and Jesus went to their house. If you're familiar with the New Testament, you've heard this story. It's a go-to when you're talking about the subject of rest and work and busyness. You know the story. Jesus is there and Martha is buzzing around. She's busy because she's, she's entertaining and she's showing hospitality. And so she's pouring drinks. She's setting out food. She's tending to the comfort of her guests. And as she's doing this, she keeps passing her sister who's just sitting there at Jesus' feet. She's just sitting there. And Mary's sisterhood to Martha obligated her to help Martha. And her refusal just translated as laziness. We've been in this position. I mean, you've been there, right? You've been there where somebody, maybe you're the one in the flurry of activity and you're passing somebody who ought to know that they should be helping and they're not Or maybe you're the person who knows you ought to be helping, but you're just dug in and you're not going to do it. I don't, I mean, this is the great thing about scripture is it's written about human beings. And so even though this was a long time ago, we don't need to know what looks or words were exchanged in order to imagine what words or looks were exchanged because we're people and we get it. And so Martha does what, what is so plain to her. And everybody else just seems to miss. And she says to Jesus, she appeals to him, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. Because surely he can see what she sees. And what she's doing, what is Martha doing here? She's revealing that she interprets Jesus lack of intervention as not caring. If you cared, you would already be on this. And so I'm going to bring it to your attention. I'm going to give you the opportunity to show me that you care. To Martha, Jesus doesn't care that Mary is failing to hold up her end. And by not helping, Mary is not only being lazy, but she's making Martha do more work. And it's the important work of hospitality and honoring Jesus. 
And so from where Martha is sitting, she is the only person in the room who is doing things the right way. She's it. She's the only one. Mary is doing the indefensible, and Jesus should have by now intervened. And how does Jesus respond? He, uh uh-oh. He doesn't say, you're right, Martha, I'm sorry. Mary, would you? Instead, she gets the double name, Martha, Martha, right? Martha, Martha, you're anxious, and you're troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. I love how what Jesus says about her busyness is you're anxious and you're troubled about many things. It's worthy for us to say, is the reason for my busyness that I'm anxious and troubled about many things? And then he says, Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. In the Bible, the image of the good portion is choosing the presence of the Lord over the presence of things. And so this is a call to rest. It's, it's prioritizing him. But notice what else Jesus says to Mary here. He says, Mary has chosen the good portion, and he adds, and it will not be taken away from her. In other words, Martha wants Mary to give up what she's chosen in the moment. But Jesus says it shouldn't be taken from her then because it won't be taken from her ever. That this is her call. She was made to sit at the feet of Jesus and to learn from him and to love him. Not just tending to him, but engaging with him for all eternity. And we're like this. We're created to love and be loved by our maker. And that's never going to be based on our performance, ever. Hallelujah. It's always going to be the result of grace. And so we're not only called, but it means we're also free to rest in Christ. So let me give some practical application for how to rest in Christ before we come to the Lord's table together, how we can practice the art of choosing the good portion. How do we cultivate a relationship with Jesus through rest and through trust? One, very simply, is we can retreat from activity. Uh, We often need to get out of the ground. You know the feeling, right? Where you're day two into vacation, and that's when you're finally starting to feel like you're on vacation. Sometimes it just takes us a minute to, to unplug or to switch gears. We can retreat from activity. We can practice the art of shifting out of high gear. Second, we can practice face-to-face time with other people. We can put phones away and talk and practice the art of friendship, which is a slow process and a good process. Third, you could practice the spiritual disciplines of reading scripture and praying slowly. it's, It's a slow thing anyway, right? With a pen in hand, no ambitious goals. You should know that... Bible study and prayer are learned skills. When we start doing these, we're not sure how to do them a lot of times. And it takes some practice, just like anything else, right? It takes practice. And so if you're somebody who feels like, I want to pray, but I don't feel like I'm very good at prayer, it's a learned skill. You can pray and the Lord hears you. 
Even if you're not feeling like you're very good at it or you're very, very eloquent about it, that's okay. But what I can also tell you is if prayer is a regular part of your life, you'll learn some things about praying. And if reading scripture is a regular part of your life, you will learn some things about God's word to you. But it just is a spiritual practice that we engage with that's, that's a kind of a rest and it's a kind of engaging with the Lord. We can observe the Sabbath day, which is the heart of the command, right? Today, to take one day a week that is devoted to the twofold aim of rest and worship. And then finally, we can belong to a local church. Why is this an important one? Well, because it is, for one, a very concrete way to sit at the feet of Jesus, is to be a part of the body of Christ. But we also belong to a local church for the accountability that comes with being a part of the body. We come to be known, we come to offer ourselves to the care of our brothers and sisters and to invite friendship. The local church is a place where we say to one another through our presence here, look for me, look out for me, come after me if you see me going off the rails. If you see me in the process of destroying my family, intervene and stop me. That's a thing that the local church does. That's a way that we care for each other. It's a way that we rest in the provision of the Lord as he has provided for us the body of Christ. The Lord is not ultimately interested in what you do for him. He delights when we do things for him, but that's not ultimately what he's interested in. He's interested in you not what you do for him. He doesn't love the good work that you do more than he loves you. And so learning to live out of this distinction, it takes practice. Resting takes practice. Trusting takes practice. But it also makes a huge difference in our lives because we're made for this. We're made to be people who are not just grinding ourselves into the ground, but are trusting in the sufficiency of what the Lord has made and the life he has given us. And he calls us then to rest in him. Let me pray. Lord, it has been a busy morning pulling a worship service together in a hotel. is a busy thing. It requires an early morning. It requires troubleshooting a lot of things, and it can be so easy for me, I confess, to just have my mind in a million places when what you're calling me to be is focused on you. And I know if that's the case for me, it's the case for all of us here. And so, Lord, would you help us to believe and to trust that when you call us to have a Sabbath day, to be people who rest, that we would understand that that call is a call to draw near to you and to trust you. And so, Lord, help us to see the ways in our own lives and hearts where we don't trust you uh, and where we feel like it's, it's really up to us to, um, to make things work, that it's really up to us to hold things together. Forgive us for the pride of that. And, Lord, we ask that you would even now... Uh, Give us a sense of your provision, your perfect provision for us as we come to this table together as your people here on this Sabbath day. Would you consecrate it for the glory of your name 
and for the nourishing of our hearts. And we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen.